Our guidebook provides all the answers you never knew you sought on a variety of topics. While we may not have any credentials, expertise, or formal training on the topics we address, we do have some amusing anecdotes, and who knows, maybe you'll learn something along the way. This is what we call the Definitive Guide, and we are the Von Kuhlbergs. This episode is called Being Humbled. Uh, I asked this girl out in eighth grade, and I thought it was a sure thing, and she said, absolutely not, and then laughed at me. And I, that's, you know, 30, I guess that's 41 years ago, and it's still, it's still on my mind. So, I mean, and that's, <clears throat> there are many things like that, things that I thought were going well, and they, and they suddenly didn't, and... And, and what do you think about, like, what, what's the result of that on you? Nothing. I, I don't ever find a way, to, like, there's nothing productive about it. Good morning. Good morning, Armand. Good morning. And how shall I refer to you today? Uh, as m- with my name, Rocky Von Kuhlberg. Ro- Ro- <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, Rocky. Uh, and um, how are you? Haven't, we haven't felt like we have, it's been a while since we've chatted. The end of the year is a little crazy. End of the year, I'm a little sleepy because my dog keeps waking me up early in the morning. But otherwise, no real complaints. We've had two terrible dog incidents in our house uh, recently. I think I told you about one where our uh, our our middle dog, mid sized dog, um, had a, a variety of ailments. We had recently had bladder issues that we thought was perhaps going to um, do her in, but she is uh, she's recovering. Okay, and then all of a sudden, our small poodle Shih Tzu mix. Um, just stopped walking on one of his legs, and we had hoped we took him to the vet. We hoped he would recover, but um, it's been two weeks and he has not recovered. So it's looking like there's a, a surgery on the horizon. Do they know what, what is it? Is it like arthritis? Did he break something? Is well, they haven't X-rayed, but they think it is the 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 equivalent of an ACL tear. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Um, so, so there's that, uh, also I've been thinking a lot about our podcast and, uh, I feel like we need to do a little cross marketing and rebranding. I don't think we need to launch a new pilot. So that's a positive, Okay. but I've decided that we need to call it a friend, uh, <laughs> Groover's guide. And then like a subtitle. A friendship sleep and comedy podcast. A what? A friendship? <laughs> a friendship sleep and comedy podcast. That's it. I thought a lot about this because I really don't want to lead with sleep uh, because I don't think that's good. But I, I've listened to our podcast a few times at night, and it's and not in because I was bored, but just in more of a comforting way. It helped me fall asleep one night. So. Well, that is that is totally not what we are going for, though. <laughs> but I think we could broaden our, our appeal. And then I was also thinking that. 
for for me, one of the more enjoyable aspects, the unexpected side effect is uh, I've been able to check in with you more than uh, I have in the past because uh, because we're doing this fairly regularly. Yeah, that that's an, for sure an added bonus for you. <laughs> but I I don't um, I don't know that. I want to market towards no, a sweet aid. Why? Here it is, because then well, like, there's like a quiet moment, and then you just have to add in like, and rest your eyes. And so, like it's it's it's. I'd rather go it's with. <laughs> I'd rather go with something that you could play during sex. <laughs> to to really enhance the, the amorous friendship, sleep, and comedy podcast. Well, then now it's just you know it's be it's a little something for everybody. Well, that, I think that's good. Yeah, right? no, so that's good. An amorous, an amorous friendship. Well, let's 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 comedy. table the the sub the subtitle oh, uh, right. discussion for a little bit. We were today. I think we wanted to talk a little bit about some of our most humbling experiences. Wow. All right. All right. I'm interested. You. Uh, you. Is there something? First of all, was there did something happen that that led you to offer this topic up? Is something going on? Well, yeah. Um, I mean, I think so. I, I have been unemployed, uh, other than of oh. course the big money maker that this podcast is, yeah, or will become um, for six months now, and which has been which is humbling. And I, I've gone through it once before, so. I've had this before, but it never this long of a period of time. <clears throat> but the other thing that I wanted to, that I was thinking about when I was thinking about humbling is you can ask, generally, I think when you ask people about humbling experiences, what you get back are um, humble brags. Sure. Makes sense. Yeah. Right. It seems like it'd be an interview question. Yeah. Humble brag. Right. Like, wow. so it's, it's, it's humbling. Uh, it's, it's been so humbling to be so loved by my children and, and right. Like, <laughs> like, and, and that's not what I was talking about when I say humbling, right. right. I'm not going for the humble brag. I'm going for truly humbling that, that makes you reassess who you are and your strengths and your weaknesses and <clears throat> takes you down a peg. Maybe. Sure. That's what I'm talking about. And so, just to start, yeah. So I, I have I lost my job um, back in November <clears throat> as part of a reduction in force from the company. But because I'm also an HR person by trade, I will say this: that any reduction in force, there's usually other factors included in in terms of why you were selected to be among that group. And I I know and believe there there were. Um, probably interpersonal between my manager and I and, and maybe others. <clears throat> and so that's very humbling. Yeah. I will say for what is worth, I find you delightful. But you don't pay very well and your benefits <laughs> suck. <laughs> well, I haven't put together an offer in a while. I you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, it's time to renegotiate. Well, I, I'm negotiating up from zero with you, so. <laughs> well, that gives me a lot of room. Yeah, you have a lot of headspace there. <laughs> yeah, that has to be. I'm trying to think. Um, 
in in many ways, I feel without taking the humble brag that uh, my life is a, a series of humbling experiences. But I also think this um, is related to something else I was thinking is that some people are more aware of things that are like some people are not bothered by like, oh, that that's that's an awful thing for you or that's a commentary, you know, or something like that. Some people aren't always aware, like some people don't internalize those. I, I internalize every single one and then I obsess upon them for years. Let's just say more of it. What do you mean? Like, I'll, uh, I'll think of some, like, <laughs> like I'll still think about how uh, I asked this girl out in eighth grade and I thought it was a sure thing. And she said, absolutely not. And then laughed at me. And I, that's, you know, 30 I guess that's 41 years ago and it's still it's still on my mind so I mean and that's (laughs) there are many things like that things that I thought were going well and they and they suddenly didn't and 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 what do you think about like what what's the result of that on you nothing I I don't ever find a way like there's nothing productive about it but there's something it, like in me, in my wiring, how I'm I'm hardwired that I will I will dwell on these things way too long, spend way too much energy. Things that like nobody remembers. I'm guessing that anybody that was probably aware of those circumstances doesn't even re- at the time doesn't even remember me. Like that girl, you might ask her if she knows my name, and she would possibly say no. <laughs> but I <laughs> I still think about those things. So I think that's a there's probably everybody would have an entire category of humbling experiences related to dating or pursuing, pursuing a love interest, right? Because everybody, there's nobody, even the most beautiful people on earth who haven't been shot down or haven't been disappointed in some encounter with, whether it's the same sex or opposite sex, somebody they're interested in romantically. That my, my question though is, what the impact of that is beyond like, I understand that you think about it. I'm the same way. And I think there's something about like having a very relationship oriented personality where I take everything personally. And so, and um, anything that's, I, that's very personal, like a relationship, but even work, I take it personally. But the question is, is it, if that didn't happen to you, in middle school, do you think that your head would have gotten really big and you would yeah. have thought, oh, I'm the cat's pajamas? And <laughs> well, so so I, I've come to to and, and this took a lifetime, but I've come to realize, yeah, that those those are definitely like learning. I didn't realize I'd probably learn from them and that like they helped shape my personality in a lot of ways, I think for the for the better. Um it's allowed me to empathize a lot more with people that are, are having issues, which is something that I have to do in, in like my job. But, but, and I, and if they hadn't happened, I would have probably been much more of a jerk, but they're there. They were never, I didn't even realize that until the last few years, which uh, it may be just because I'm, I'm far more aware of my mortality <laughs> than I've ever been. So I think about things like that now and I'm not that old, but it's still on my, on my mind. Um, I, I was thinking of a, a humble, I have a few humbling experiences. Um, one 
in particular, this goes back now, probably it was 15 years. So I, I sold a screenplay. And it's not a humble brag. Just bear with me, I promise. I sold a screenplay, and it was made into a movie, and I was no part of it. Um, And they told me that they were going to do some rewriting, and it had a very short uh, theatrical release. And I'll say this, what, like... Um, the screenplay that I wrote, like I had had a, a whole bunch of failures near misses. Like it's, I was, I was working a lot and trying to sell screenplays and, uh, I, I wrote a screenplay that won a, won a, a real f- famous contest, like for screenplay writing. And it, the screenplay was about a spider that could play the blues. It was an animated feature. And I thought it was going to be produced. This company made it. And I literally, the, the president of the company of this uh, production company said to me, you know, we love your, and I had no inclination of this coming. I thought we were like having a phone call to talk about the deal or financials. Like, you know, uh, I, I'm sorry, but to be perfectly honest, uh, I just greenlit another film about a cricket and uh, it's just too close. <laughs> and I canceled that. And so I was so mad at all of those. And some of these were like, artier films that I in three weeks I wrote this script and it was really about some former students that uh, allegedly may or may not have been kind of disruptive in my class so I had them all get lost in a coal mine with a serial killer in there that hunted them down and and, and there was like a twist at the end and things like that and it was a very uh, tight shortly written there was like there was nothing to it it was just like a neat little package. It took a few weeks to write and I sold it and they were, they were making it. And I would be in touch sort of with the producer, the guy who bought it, who was making, there was a small production company and he would ask me questions and things. And I was really looking forward to the screen. And the first inkling that things were going wrong was, uh, and I, there were a couple of horror film websites that, they interviewed this guy on and he talked about how he bought this script, but he completely rewrote it because it wasn't very good. Uh, he didn't like the script and he kept saying, uh, he was making a family horror film, which I'm like, what, what is that? But even that, like I, I was felt a little bad about that, but I had a friend who was in the business and they said, that's just business talk. So the movie comes out in the theater and it was like a special screening. And I brought a few, I got to bring a few friends. Uh, and, and one of them I wrote in as a character, you know, this person uh, as, as sort of the, <laughs> the serial killer. And I went with him and then there were a few other people um, that were involved uh, in this theater that I worked at. They all came and it was the most awful, embarrassing, terrible film. Uh, like with each moment, like I started feeling worse and worse and more ashamed because nobody, it, I mean, it was, the characters had the same name. My concept was still there, but it was, it, it was a family horror movie. And those two things don't go together. Like a scary, a horror movie by nature at, at the very least is PG-13. You can't have a G rated horror film and it was like sort of this awful awful mess and i remember um I, and then like the guy was there and asked me if i liked it and i was so horrified i was so angry and i was so embarrassed 
that I never, that kind of made the decision that I would only work in theater after that again, because well, I didn't, how did you answer the guy's question when he asked you if you liked it? I told him it was terrible. I told him I, it was, that wasn't what I wrote. And I mean, I, I burnt that bridge really quickly, so he wasn't going to take it. I mean, I, it, it was so bad and they were like well-known, they were like B list stars. Like you would know if you had watched, uh, like they were for some, some of those stars were, uh, famous in kids movies and they'd grown into adult. Like they weren't as famous as adults but they were names and stuff like that. And I was so, I was so completely mortified. And what's great about that is I keep reliving that because um, I have, I am listed on the, I have an IMDB listing for that film. Like, uh, and my students will find it every year and then they'll go watch it. And they, even they are able to say like, this is a terrible <laughs> Like they don't even want me to teach them writing at that point because it's so, it's so bad. So that sort of not only humbled me, but yeah, it changed that. I didn't, I, that was the end. I decided I didn't want to do a screenplay. Yeah. But I mean, I, I would argue that that really wasn't a reflection of your work. That was the reflection of this other person's work who, who admittedly rewrote it himself for whatever purpose he did. It, I mean, I, I don't, I understand why you're disappointed. I understand why you didn't want to pursue that avenue again based on that experience, but it doesn't really, I, I don't see how you would take that as a, as a reflection on your value or your worth. Well, cause it was so hard to, it was so hard to get anybody to, to, Pay, I mean, that's just the most brutal, awful, especially back then. I think there's more opportunities now, uh, but it was so hard to get anybody's attention. It took me years and years and years uh, to get in this like low level sort of production company where something was actually made and it was nothing that I could ever use to further or build my career. Like I felt like yeah. I was starting over at zero. Like I didn't want, I didn't want people to know about it because I could say they rewrote, but my name was on there as an executive producer. And my name was on there as a, as a screen, you know, story by Armand von Kuhlberg. So, yeah. so I mean, I guess you could argue any, any kind of disappointment like that would be humbling. Um, and and I guess I'm thinking more about like the introspection that happens as a result of uh, something like that. So I think of um, so even maybe professionally today the the Gen Zs who are now entering the workplace, um, and I have worked with some as interns and things, and and frequently they'll come in to an organization and their expectation is they're going to be a vice president in two years. Right, just because they've grown up and everybody told them that their opinion is important and their perspective is valuable and blah 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 blah, and and it's got to be humbling to them to be faced with reality of yes, you're in a workplace with other people and and every fart that you have isn't going to be applauded and and celebrated, and at some point it's not just a disappointment, but they have to. I would think. They have to have some self-reflection to say, wow, I'm really maybe not as great as my mommy told me I was. <laughs> I Well, you would hope. 
I don't know if that's always the case with anybody. Like that's that's like what I was talking about earlier. Some people don't ever recognize that. And well, I used to think it was terrible, but now I actually think that's not always a bad thing. No, I think it's a bad thing. So there's another uh so I don't I, I'm gonna talk about a book. I haven't read it, I haven't even seen it. But somebody told me about this book. It's called The Power of Regret. And it's uh the idea of it is that regret is useful because it's an opportunity for self-reflection. And when I heard it, I thought it was interesting, but I was also disappointed because I always thought if I, when I write the story of my life, the title would be regret. Wow. Cause my life is full of regrets. And I do remember back being like in college and shortly after college in the, in a, professional world and running across people. And in my mind, they're always the memories. They're always women who would tell me that they have no regrets. I don't regret anything. I live my life without regret. And I'm like, how is that possible? How is it possible? You're saying that every decision you've ever made, you think was the right decision. Yeah. Well, so I don't know. I want, cause like there are, a lot of where I think about this in context of some of the leaders I've known at local levels, even political leaders, people that never apologize for anything, never feel bad. Like sometimes what sometimes I think people gravitate towards people who who never acknowledge any sort of regret about anything. And, and I don't necessarily think that they're not wrong, but people like being led by or around by people that feel they're always right. Like how they project it. Like, oh, this person, they must know something more than I, they, than I do because they're never wrong about anything or they never feel that they're wrong about anything. Yeah. But that, I mean, projecting strength is one thing and I, I understand how that would be appealing. But if that person truly never thinks they're wrong or truly never um, has that moment of self doubt or self reflection, then I think that person is probably a sociopath. Right. But I, and I think there are a lot, I mean, in without, without going any sort of partisan politics, but I think there are a lot of people at work, whatever, like that's, it's perceived as a weakness to now. To admit it. To admit regret. To admit it. Yeah. But don't you think those people still feel it though? I'd like to think they do, but then there's some people that I'm around that are so horrible that I wonder, do they ever, and, and like, I wonder, like, I spent a lot of energy <laughs> and time on regret. And I, I wonder if you don't do that, like, are you happier? Are you at peace? Like you never, you just, I guess you're always living in the present if you don't ever do that. Well, but I, that's interesting because I think there's, there's things that you believe are true. And so Right, like our like you mentioned in, in politics, our political environment today is very polarized. So at one end or the other end, on any topic, let's you could say abortion or immigration, you could be people at one end and one on the other end, and both think they're absolutely right. Right, and so it's hard for them those people to feel regret about a position because they they believe they're right. I think what happens is it's the results of their belief that often take a long time to realize what the results are and that's why i think people sometimes much later in life say oh i regret that i thought that way or acted that way 20 years ago because now i see 
that I was wrong or right. Yeah. No, I do. I well, and it, it, I guess it's notable too that, that a lot of times where people that do feel or are expressing regret tend to be older at the end of their life. There's no more time. So they regret, like I was reading an article about, it was actually, it's called five regrets of, of old people or senior, I don't know, whatever, but it was like not traveling more, not spending more time, focusing too much on work thing, things like that, that you only, you only gain that perspective. I think after a long life and I guess you're, you're facing your own mortality. Well, what about, couldn't you be humbled or do you have, can you think of examples of being humbled by things that were actually very positive? So for example, uh, this isn't my example, but like if you, uh, somebody who finds they've made such a positive impact on people that they didn't necessarily appreciate the impact they had and then learning about it could be very humbling to say like, well, I didn't, I wasn't thinking yeah. about. Sure, like I absolutely, I, I will have students right now at the end of the year because so I'm saying goodbye to my students and now and this happens every year they're telling me like a positive things that I had no idea or things that they appreciate like a student that all year long has been nothing but difficult and challenging and combative and argumentative like came up to me and said like now that we're in the end I just wanted you to know how much I liked your class and, and things like that and I I don't ever have a good response to those things. Like I, I'm much more comfortable dealing with like the bad or the awkward things like that. But when there's like a, someone is expressing a sincere moment and I'm, and, and I do feel that way. Like, I guess I sort of mutter out some sort of thank you, but, but I do like that's, that's the nice and positive thing about teaching. And then there's times where like people come back and, and you, you feel really positive that you had a, you know, a positive impact on somebody else and that you never know. So I guess for me, that would probably be things like that would be the closest that I've experienced to what you're talking about. Okay. Probably, probably more if I thought about them, but they're just not popping right into my head. So, so here I, I can sit on, on this date and look, and I'm able to look you in the eye, right? Our listeners can't. Is this going to be bad? No, yeah, <laughs> I can. Terrible is coming. <laughs> I can tell you, I have zero examples of that kind of humbling experience. <laughs> I, I cannot think of a, a single experience equivalent to what you've experienced teaching kids. Um, I have none. I have lots and lots and lots of humbling experiences of, of negative experiences. And... That's what, and when I was thinking about this topic, that's the only, the only examples I have. And on top of it is thinking about, so again, my, my most current example is being unemployed. It's humbling because prior to being unemployed, I, I was surprised to be laid off. Yeah. Um, and prior to that thought, right, that I was doing a great job and I was very smart and very effective. And that makes you examine it. Now, I'm searching for a job and I'm on LinkedIn every day and I'm talking to other people. Some people are very empathetic and helpful. Others are not. And, and I read into the, those who are not as, um, they are not yet humbled. And I think they probably at some point will be, right? They think this will never happen to me because I am so smart and so 
valuable and so important. And they don't feel the need to help somebody else or respond even to a message. Right. And, and that's been part of the humbling experience for me is people who even I thought were friends. Right. More than even work acquaintances, but people who are friends, people who I would go out to lunch with, people who I might even see outside of work who have chosen not to even respond to yeah. emails from me about like not even asking them for anything, but like, hey, we'd love to connect or what do you, do you know anybody who works over there? Or, like, and they could say no, right? Like right. It, I'm not asking anything of them, um, but not to respond shows to me that they are not empathetic and and potentially have humbling coming their way at some point, right? Like, and I wouldn't wish it necessarily upon most of them. Some of them I probably do now, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that, well, so the, the, the other part of my job is, is that in, in my quest to, to remain anonymous. So this might well, you've already said your name is Armand von Kuhlberg. Right. But I also, I also, uh, you know, but other people, our thousands of listeners may not run a, uh, te- I run the teachers union. I'm very active in that. And from like what you're describing, I, ha- I experienced not always firsthand, but like people who they, they just prioritize themselves. Sometimes people don't know what to say or do. And that's why you may not be getting, like they really don't know what to say or they feel and like they're, it feels uncomfortable for them. Like here's this person is vulnerable and I, I can't help them. And then there's the other big chunk of people that are just uh, so self-involved and so self-absorbed. And they're like, well, this person can't help me. So now I'm going to just write them off. Uh, yes. And I think there probably are more people in the first category that I'm giving credit to people who just don't know what to say, or they don't think they, they don't know how to help or don't think they can help. Um, and they're busy in their day to day and it's not anything negative in their mind. And as a matter of fact, this experience has made me reflect on like, there's somebody I used to work for a boss of mine who I reached out to who never responded to me. And I started thinking, and she was fired from the job when I worked at the same company. And I started thinking like, maybe did I not, maybe I didn't reach out to her after she was laid off the same way I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, I think I did, but maybe I didn't. And so now I'm being kind of reflective of what's my behavior been in the past. Yeah. That's I, um, that's interesting. And, and maybe this is a long, like a convoluted line I'm drawing, but it makes me think about, I, I've always been really uncomfortable around like death. People have had death in there. Like, I never know what to say. I'm not a religious person. So I haven't really been able to say some people will say something offering comfort about like, I, I'm not religious. Um, and so I, I've often not gone to funerals nobody close but like if it's somewhere in that mid-level like acquaintance a little bit more than acquaintance but not quite like i tend to not go not because i don't care but because i feel so awkward and then just a couple years ago i started i don't know why why i did this in in the teachers that i represent i just started because there's always you know like a uh like a I want to say an alert that'll go out when somebody's or an announcement that goes out that somebody's experienced a loss. 
Uh, and I started just sending those people cards, like, you know, letting them know that, you know, thinking about them and if there's any way I could support them to let me know. And that I, I, I was amazed at how much people appreciate things that I thought that this would just bother somebody. Like here's some person I don't even know that is sending me this stuff. And so I try, I, I've fallen off with it this year, to be honest, but just you saying that makes me think I need to go, go back to it. And it wasn't you should great. go back to it. Yeah. So I, I'll give you an example of this. And I think, so I think that says a lot about you. I think it says, a, I think that says a couple of things about you. For one, I think it's very typical that people don't do things that make them uncomfortable. Right. But the thing is, it's not about you in that moment, right? It's about supporting that other person. Right. And, and, and so there's that, but then you've kind of come to a different conclusion, which is, this is how I can do something that makes it feel better. And I'm getting a little off track, but so again, I've been out of work for six months. My, she's my wife's aunt. Okay. okay. Her, my, my mother-in-law's sister. And she's only like maybe 10 years older than me, 12 years older than me. And I, I like her. I've always gotten along with her. She's a very nice person. She sends me a card like two months ago that just says, I'm thinking about you. Um, you're a great person. Just know that I'm thinking about you. Something like that. And I was really touched by it. And I showed my kids. I'm like, look, this, this is a card from Aunt Nancy. Do you know why she sent it? And, you know, again, my kids are teenager, teenage boys who, who don't really talk about emotions or maybe right. even have emotions for all I can tell. Right. Um, and they said, no, I don't know why she sent it. I'm like, well, she sent it because she's a good person that cares <laughs> about me and just wants me to know that she's thinking about me and cares about me. No other reason. She doesn't want anything back in return. And that's what a good person does. They care about other people that they care about and they show that. And that made such an impact. And it not only made an impact on me, but then hopefully made an impact on my kids because I explained to them why it was so meaningful. So what you did by sending cards, yeah, you probably have no idea how impactful that can be. Yeah, I need to get, I mean, I, I've fallen off. And it's one of the things I just keep meaning to start doing it again. And and I saw how appreciated, but just you telling me that, I thought, because I, I deal with people in crisis all the time. And I, I just, in that role, in that capacity, when I'm doing like the union president, I just am very focused on making sure that, you know, whatever the fallout is, is appropriate for what, whatever happened or helping them or supporting them. And I don't really spend, um, some of it as I'm always uncomfortable as a male and I'm, I'm, I'm predominantly supporting females and I'm always worried it's going to come across as creepy or too, yeah. far, or too much. So I don't, I'm always like aware of that. Um, cause you know, I think my, my, the union is probably like 15% male and 85% female. Um, and, and there's all sorts of things that at first I was really uncomfortable talking about, not uncomfortable, just felt like it was not appropriate for me to be talking about birth leave and rights and, you know, what women, and like I dealt with a lot of issues with having to pump and where can I pump, you know, things that at first I was like, 
this person probably thinks I'm, you know, a perv or something like that. Like I'm just uncomfortable. So I've gotten past that, but I, I probably don't do a good enough job, like touching back with people afterwards or even just saying like, you know, I just, I move on to the next problem and things like that. So, and that's how I 99% of people are, right? That's the day to day. That's what I try to right. So like, that's the opposite of the people who don't respond to something on LinkedIn. But of those people who don't respond, 99% of them are probably just consumed with the day-to-day. They're, they're not aware, like like I was, if if I think that I didn't respond to my old boss. Like, it wasn't intentional. Yeah. Um, and, and I would be hurt and I'd be surprised and hurt if I thought she was angry with me or had negative feelings about me because of that. Yeah. Because that... And, and I'm wondering how many of the people now I'll create, I have this mental list, my FU list of people that I will never help <laughs> because they wouldn't even respond. I thought we were friends. And so I'm, it was more about being hurt, me personally yeah. feeling hurt that I thought we were friends and you couldn't even respond. Um, yeah. And so now they're on my list of people I will never help. And I'm going to, you know, remove my connections from them and all that kind of stuff. But probably 90 some percent of them have no idea. Yeah. Well, people, people, a lot of people, right. It's just cause they're, they're absorbed. And then there's people like, like I, I'll say, and this is directly with you. I'm not, I worry like, Oh, I don't want to ask you too much because I know it's gotta be frustrating when you don't have a lot to report or if people are always asking you. So. But that's know. different than, than, not responding if I asked you something. Yeah, no, not respond. There's no excuse for not responding. To, I mean, you're a jerk if you don't even respond. Like, hey, I'm sorry, I don't know anybody. But, and, but and, people probably just like you said, or you can't help me, or I didn't even. I'm not even aware of how my non-response is impacting you. Yeah, I mean, I, and I agree with you. Like, if people don't know what to say, and they don't, they don't know if if they if it's welcome to have that conversation. It's the same thing with somebody passes away. So you have a loved one die. Like, you don't know, like, I don't want to, maybe they're feeling good today and me bringing it up is going to make them feel bad. Right. 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 So, and I wouldn't even know what to say anyway, if right. Like, and that's, that's fair. And so then I think it's just that kind of, well, certainly responding. And then the non-obligatory checking in, as we're talking here, I've I've opened up an email to somebody that I haven't talked to in a, in a few weeks, and it's just checking in. And I just did this so I wouldn't forget to write it, right? Because I was thinking about the person earlier, and then the day gets ahead of you, and you forget. Right. Like as I was laying in bed, I'm like, oh, this person I need to check in with, just be not for any reason other than so they know that I'm thinking about them. Yeah, I need to do that more. You know, and here's the interesting thing: this. I came up when when I was sending or as I'm sending the cards to to because I still struggle like what do I say to somebody who's just lost a parent or a you know a loved one and so I usually kept it pretty short you know just and my my go to response was just please let me know if I can support you in any way because I don't want to say. I don't not necessarily close enough to people to give a much more close thing, but I, you know, if there is something I could do um, and, and I, but I do feel like that if let me know if there's anything I can do is not really the right thing. Cause some people are mad. Like, no, you can't do anything. This my, my spouse, my parent is, has died. So like, I'm always worried about saying the wrong, like I don't want to exacerbate anybody else's grief or what they're going through, but that, that has been the, 
the closest I've come to is like, here's what I could say that hopefully will come across in, in the way I mean it as a positive and support and not, you know, make it like worse, like what you're saying, make a day or. Things so like I think that. it's just like, I'm, I'm thinking about you and always here, always here for you in any way. Yeah. Right. And then they can take it however they want to take it. Yeah. Well, now I'm going to go out and buy more cards. That's my. I, I think that's. I didn't know that you did that, and I think that's a good idea. I probably should do that too, and it's much better than an email. Yeah, no, I think people people like it, and it. Uh, I have, I have the penmanship of a five year old, so it takes me a lot. I write really slowly because I don't want anyone to know that the person that you know represents them uh, is maybe has things in common with a five year old. But so that that's the hardest part is actually my penmanship is is pretty bad. But it's it's a it's a positive thing. I was doing it um for for um funeral or when somebody loses something and also it was birth announcements, but when I missed somebody's like birth and I started, I got a couple angry, like, like why didn't I get a card for my kid's birth announcement? And it was just like, I hadn't got, you know, in a thousand people, 85% of them women and there's constant turnover. There's always, you know, there, there's a lot of birth announcements. So it's hard to stay on top of that. So I've limited now to like condolences just because I, I still have to do, parts of my my other parts of my job like i could yeah and it becomes an expectation then right that that you're going to do it for every birth right and then that that kind of defeats the purpose all right and then it made me feel like lousy i'm like here i was trying to do something nice and instead uh but that that leads me back to the other part of the conversation about how people think about like i i get that a lot like i i get a a right a benefit for someone it's like somebody um got some extra money that other people didn't get, but that was because their particulars of their job like required it and circumstances were right. And instead of, I don't, I seldom get like a, thank you. We appreciate it. I get, what about me? Why come, how come right. my job is just as hard? How come I don't get a stipend or how come I don't get that? So yeah, basically we got to just uh, send cards and don't let the other people get us down. <laughs> I guess so. Or when you get down, figure out how you don't rely on other people to get yourself back up yeah. because they will often disappoint. Yeah. And that's why we're rebranding as <laughs> the Amorous Friendship Sleep Comedy Podcast. All right. Again, I think we'll have to have a separate conversation about that rebrand. <laughs> but it's probably a good place to uh, conclude today's discussion. <laughs> Probably not the most laugh riot type content, but uh, but, but a worthy conversation and hopefully interesting. If yeah. not, we'll just delete it. Well, you know, uh, the good thing is that we our audience is so vast that uh, <laughs> there'll be somebody that likes. There's it. some sub segment of our audience. Yes, will like are it. Gonna, are going to really appreciate it. All right, mom, you hear that? <laughs> All right, Armand, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure, Rocky. Uh, Until next time. Until next time. Peace.
Thank you.